Podcast Magazine, the preeminent publication covering podcasts, podcast culture, and the podcasters fans love, is launching in January of 2020. Prior to launch, you can grab a free lifetime subscription at www.podcastmagazine.com. If you love podcasts, if you're a podcaster, or if you just want to stay on top of what's going on in this growing medium, subscribe now and grab a free lifetime subscription while you can. Once again, that's www.podcastmagazine.com. This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Alrighty, welcome to another edition here of Reinvention Radio. Steve Olsher hanging out with the very handsome and debonair, Richie Ote. What's up, man? How are you, my brother? Doing great, thank you. Good, good. White Wade's got it under control in the studio. Kelly's got it in control back at headquarters. And Mary Goulet is out doing her wonderful work in the world. And hopefully we'll be back next week to join us. All right, so a lot of ground to cover here on, uh, on Reinvention Radio today. And super excited to have you guys with us here. And super excited to have our guest, Christine Closer, with us here as well. Uh, talking about a, a subject that is very near and dear to my heart. So first and foremost, let's just say a very nice welcome and hello to Christine. Hello, Christine. How are you doing? Hello. I'm great. I'm here with you guys. How could I be anything other than great? Yeah, right. Good. Well, super happy to have you here. All right. Let's um, let, let's do this because I want to give folks an understanding of, of kind of who you are and where you came from so that we can then better appreciate where you are now and the, and the focus of today's conversation. So uh, give folks a little bit of, a, of an understanding of your background and where, where you came from, what you were doing before you got into the, the work that you're doing now. Oh, well, it's quite a journey. Like yeah, I was right. that kid who grew up knowing nothing about entrepreneurship. Like in my household, it was all about going to college, getting a job with good benefits, you know, a job that you may have hated, but you know, that was, that was all I knew. So when I found myself 3,000 miles away um, in California, right after I graduated college and starting my own business, I was like, oh, this is a, this is a whole new world. Mm. Um, and I started first in the fitness industry. Then I ended up running a women's networking group, which I loved. It was an amazing success. Um, and then my husband decided that he wanted to write a book. Um, he was going to go all over the country and interview hundreds of major league baseball players and share their wisdom in this book. And I, you know, cheered him on as we were newlyweds at the time. And I was like, that's awesome. Hun. Go for it. Um, but someone had to figure out how to actually write the book. Like what, how do you turn it into a book? So he was out exploring, you know, the world and interviewing literally over 300 major league baseball players and hall of famers. I was the one who was figuring out how to publish a book. And that's how I first got into publishing, but it was, you know, by way of years as a fitness trainer and as a yoga studio owner and yoga instructor um, and a you know leader of this women's networking group. And after my husband you know decided he was going to do a book and I learned, I was like, well, I could do a book too. So I published a book with 39 other women in my women's networking group. And I thought that would be the end of it. And it was really just the beginning. Mm. And so at, at what point though, you, you know, I mean, it, sounds like a great story everything you know was happily ever after and so on but 
<laughs> it wasn't quite the case, right? So, oh and, God, no. And, yeah. So, and and by the way, we're talking about reinventing authorship today, and we're going to be diving into just the whole world of uh, of books and publishing and so on and so forth. Uh, now, you ended up learning really the hard way about what not to do as far as authorship and and book publishing and so on is concerned. So, what take us through? Kind of that what that low next? yeah that <laughs> low point there and uh, and how things kind of blew apart and just fell apart <sighs> for you. Yeah, I mean, literally imploded. Um, well, what happened is I ended up publishing hundreds of people in these anthology books, um, both for my own organization, uh, you know, for other people's organizations, and for a couple of years they kept begging me to help them write their own book. And I was like. I don't, I don't do that. I can't help you until finally one day I was like, okay, okay, like I'll do this. I'll figure this out. So I figured out, I developed a system called get your book done back in 2007. And while I was coaching people on how to write their own first book, I wrote my own first book. Now this was 12 years ago. I didn't know then what I know now. And there were some key pieces of information that I was missing. And I could feel it. Like I knew, like I'm writing this book and I know it looks perfect. Like everything about it, it just looks like it's falling into place. But inside, I was like, Some, it's, something's not right here. I just knew it wasn't right. Um, and at the time I was working with a really high level mentor. And I remember being at one of our masterminds and literally standing in front of my coach and my peers in tears, just saying it doesn't, something's wrong. This doesn't feel right. Um, and the coaching I got was that I was, oh, that's that's just your fear. It's, you know, you're uh, exactly doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I wasn't the woman that I am now. And I listened to them instead of listening to what I knew didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And I launched that book. Um, you know, I got Neil Donna Walsh to write the four. We sold a few thousand copies. I built a half million dollar in a dollar business in a matter of a few months of that book coming out only to realize, oh my God, like this isn't what I'm here to do. This isn't the business I'm supposed to be building. And um, I could not sustain it. I mean, health-wise, I was a wreck. Um, Many days I couldn't get out of bed. And, uh, you know, my husband sometimes had to just like demand that I get in the shower because even that was too much effort. Like it was Mm -hmm. bad news. So what what was Um, it that didn't feel right? It just, I knew that I had built this business that wasn't the right thing for me to be doing. I wrote a book called The Freedom Formula, Mm. How to Put Soul in Your Business and Money in Your Bank. And at the time I wrote it, I was already on the verge of bankruptcy, right? So like, who am I to write this book called How to Put Soul in Your Business and Money in Your Bank when that was a book that I needed to read? Mm -hmm. Now the book came through and it was a really good book. I mean, thousands of people read it, loved it, learned from it. But I wasn't yet the person who could stand and be like, this is my book. Like, I know this stuff. Like, I wrote what I needed to teach myself and what I needed to learn. And when you build, put a half a million dollar business on top of, you know, a book that you needed to read rather than were qualified to write, um, it gets, you know, it like I just couldn't hold it. I feel like I just felt like a complete fraud. Mm-hmm. Um, That's and so... Within t- yeah. I was just going to say that's so interesting because you say you didn't feel it and you felt like a fraud, but yet it obviously worked. You had a half million dollars real quick, too. So is that part of what made you feel like a fraud because you were feeling that way prior to having that? Well, it's just that 
what I really cared about the most in that book was the piece called putting soul in your business. And I had attracted, you know, a whole bunch of clients at a very high level, private level and in a mastermind who were all about, well, not all of them, but it was a lot about, you know, the money in the bank and mm. the money in the bank. And it's like, it can't just be about the money in the bank. It has to be a holistic approach because I hadn't taken that holistic approach, you know, in building that business. And I knew how painful it was for me. It just wasn't sustainable. So, you know, when I told my event planner who was like, we need to sign the contract to do that event again next year, like no one does a half million dollars the first time they sell from the stage to only a hundred people in the room. Like, like we got to do this again. And I remember having that contract sitting on my desk and she's like, you know, you need to sign it today. I got better concessions than I ever thought I could get, like, but we're going to lose it if you don't sign it today. And I could not sign the contract because I knew I could not keep that cycle going again. And I knew that doing that would mean the closing of that business, the drying up of my income, which was the sole income because my husband at the time was a stay-at-home dad. Um, you know, doing a little bit of uh, baseball coaching and stuff here and there, but not enough to, you know, even cover gas and groceries for the month. So I knew that that was a risk that I was going to take, but it was the risk I had to take because I I would literally have been killing myself slowly if I just kept going down the wrong path. So it's in that horrible bankruptcy, foreclosure, you know, near homelessness that actually birthed everything that I'm doing today in this area for transformational authors. Mm -hmm. So and let me just ask you this because there, and this is a relevant conversation for a lot of entrepreneurs, like how, how did you know, and again, I guess you kind of felt this in your gut and all, but like, how did you know when it was time to cut that rope? Like, I mean, that's, that's a pretty big oh. leap, right? So in, in hindsight, now that you've been you know, past it now for a number of years, how, how did you come to, to that conclusion? Because it's not the conclusion that most would have come to. Um, well, just when you asked that question, like I could feel my throat and my chest just constrict like this. I mean, I could cough really hard right now. Like this, just like, oh, it was just this ugh feeling. Mm. And really it was the moment when I had that contract on my desk and like physically I couldn't, I couldn't get myself to sign that contract. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I just knew I couldn't do it. But yeah, it was just, it was, it was restriction. Um, it was a weight, like it was a weight that was so heavy that the weight of losing everything felt lighter than the weight of trying to keep spinning these plates and keep this thing going. Wow. Um, and, you know, when it feels better to lose everything than to keep it going, I, you know, it only took me a year to figure it out, but I, I figured it out fast. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was painful. I mean, the hard, by far one of the hardest decisions I've ever made in my life. Um, yeah. But I wouldn't change it for anything because it, you know, it led to now just like everything is so amazingly working well in my business and yeah. um, every aspect of it. It's, uh, it's a birth me. And now I know how to make sure that people don't write the wrong book because I went through it myself. Yeah. I, I mean, it is interesting from the standpoint of in, and you've probably heard this expression and you had well a, a little bit of a version of that same expression but in author land i mean it's often said that you write the book that you most need so that doesn't feel 
necessarily in inauthentic in and of itself, right? Because obviously, had you found the teachings that you needed elsewhere, you wouldn't have been in that situation in that position of feeling like I, I don't, you know, I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers, right? So you wrote the book that didn't exist, not only because yes. you needed it, but also because you knew it would help other people. So I. I mean, that just feels a little bit imposter syndrome-like, you know, like, who am I to, you know, to, to try to teach this when I'm not that? But when when you come right down to it, I mean, is I, I don't know this for a fact, but I would venture to guess that most of the more popular and successful books of all time are written by people who simply created books that they themselves needed. I, I would agree with you. And I always feel like my clients are, many of them, they're crystal clear. They're writing their book for themselves. Like they are one of their ideal readers. Um, but for me to do that in that way and have it be that big at that time, I was not yet the woman who could who could sustain that. Yeah. Now, I republished the book. Like 10 years later, I republished a 10-year anniversary edition. I you know, edited and adjusted about 20% of the book that this was no longer true for what I know now and who I am today and, you know, what I, what I would teach elements and soul in your business and money in your bank. Yeah. Um, you know, but 10 years later I was like, woohoo, this is the bit, like, it's a great book. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's a lot of it is timing, but it was just, it was too soon. And it was a groundbreaking book at the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, back in 2000, whatever, 2008, when it came out, there weren't a lot of people talking about this blending of spirituality and, business mm -hmm. um, it was you know it was one of the earlier books in that genre so it was ahead of its time and i was ahead of my time yeah my um my word for the year is nuance and i'm wondering if if you had almost made this be like you were documenting your process as opposed to making it seem as if you already had it all do you think that would have made any difference did because it kind of sounds to me like you were you didn't want to be an imposter. Hey, I have soul in my business and I have all this money in my account and I got it all together. But if you were just a, maybe a nuance in the title, it was just like, you know, almost like a follow my journey quote at the bottom or something like that. Do you think, <laughs> was it something in that? And I'm only saying it because that's my word of the year. I look for these little teeny nuances. Sometimes we think we have to change so much. And sometimes it's just one small little teeny thing that can make all the difference in the world. Mm. I mean, I'm sure that that could have made a difference. I think it would have been a very different book for a different audience and had a different impact. I mean, that book had massive impact because of the content and because of the teaching, which was really solid. I mean, I wrote it as if I had already experienced it. Um, that's how the book came across. And to this day, like just yesterday, you know, someone sent me an email and they were raving about that book and like they just I'm a fan. They read the 10-year anniversary edition. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm sure that that nuance would have made a difference in how I felt about it, but I don't know that it would have had the impact out, you know, with the readers mm -hmm. um, because it would have been a completely different experience for them and, and different information that they got through reading it. It would have been more memoir-ish than instructional and inspirational. It sounds like a good thing you wrote it, though, still, mm -hmm. because you learned. Oh, yeah. And... It sounds like other people still get the impact out of that book. Yes. Yeah, yes. But sure. the best thing about the book was how severely 
um, the aftermath of its success and making that decision to not keep that going just sent me to my knees because um, I landed on my knees pretty hard. It was, you know, end of 2010, early 2011 um, that I was about as low as I've ever been in my life. And that was the best thing that actually could have ever happened to me. So the biggest benefit of that book was how low I went after its success. Mm-hmm. And just to kind of close the loop on that then, so did you, I, I mean, you literally, did, did you lose the house? You you ended up, you did. So everything imploded, you ended up losing. So you started over just you and your husband. Your, did you have your, your child at that point? Were you? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So your daughter was, so she was, so obviously mother of necessity, you had to do whatever you had to do to, to keep the roof overhead and, uh, and, and keep food on the table. So I assume yes. you, you just started doing odd jobs and, and the whole nine, or how did you, how did you keep things afloat and then end up coming back into publishing? Well, um, thank God I had a father who was willing to float me, you know, enough money to cover for groceries and mm-hmm. gas and mm-hmm. utilities. Cause we, we stayed in the house for a little over a year. Once we started, stopped paying the mortgage on it, we just stayed on it until the day of the short sale. Um, cause we couldn't, we didn't have the money to go anywhere. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's a story yeah. very insane, yeah. but like I, I was certifiably unemployable. Like I knew this, I had to create something. I had to make my mark. I had to leave my legacy and do my thing. So when, when the rug came out from underneath me and the worst, the worst part about the whole thing was I had planned very strategically with my bankruptcy attorney to make sure I told him, I said, I will lose my house. I will lose everything, but just hold on to this side, this little side business that I have helping authors publish their books. I had a 50% owner. I'd given her half the company, brought her in. We were exactly 50, 50. Just make sure that that is protected for us because that's all I had left. It wasn't much of a business but I thought I could, I can make that work. Mm-hmm. I, I can put myself back into that. I can make that work. So the day before I'm supposed to go sign my bankruptcy papers, which was December 2nd of 2010, because that's my birthday. And that was my birthday present to myself was going to sign those papers. Mm. The day before my business partner sent me a FedEx from her attorney saying that she wanted that little publishing company that I had started and given her 50% of. Wow. And this she, she knew that I spent all this time very strategically planning to lose everything but save that business for, for her and I, for both of us. So when I got that letter from her saying she wanted the company, um, it, it's like I thought I couldn't go any lower and the, the floor just fell out underneath me and I dropped way further than I ever thought I could. Um, but the beauty is that like literally there was nothing, nothing left and I, you know, I'm a pretty uh, spiritually oriented woman. And I spent hours a day um, bargaining, begging, um, praying for clarity. Like, what am I supposed to do? I have a family to take care of. I have to figure out how to find a place to live because we're like on the verge of not having a place to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was terrifying. And I just kept asking and begging to be shown what I was supposed to do. And it was in that time that an idea I had the year prior 
popped back into my mind something called the transformational author experience. And I had tried to do the transformational author experience the year prior with my business partner when we still had the business together. And all of the colleagues that I shared that name with told me, except for one, um, you know the one actually that thought it was a good idea, but all of my other colleagues, many of whom you know, Steve, we were like, that's the worst name we've ever heard. Like, that's not even a one on a scale of one to 10, wow. you know, 10 being a great name. Wow. But the only name that came to me after hours and weeks and days of just begging for clarity was the transformational author experience. Mm -hmm. So in the middle of losing everything and having the only thing that I'm being you know, told that it's like, this is what you need to be doing was the one thing that everyone said would be a huge flop. I lit this time I listened. Unlike when I told that coach, this doesn't feel right. Yeah. This time I listened. I didn't care that anyone said that it wasn't right. I knew it was right. And while I'm on the verge of homelessness, I launched my first transformational author experience, like an online summit. You know, I had 20 different experts in the author arena. Mm -hmm. um, I could stand in integrity around transformation and around authorship, even while everything was being stripped from me. I could stand firmly and solidly on the verge of homelessness and feel like I was in integrity talking about transformational authorship. Mm. This, those two things I knew. I've been doing transformational work since 1997. Like I knew that. I had been publishing authors since 2004. I knew that. And I knew that I could be authentic and in integrity. I did this transformational author thing. So, you know, working with a $3 an hour team in India to pull together the websites mm. and working myself, you know, to four o'clock in the morning some nights, I pulled it off. I got amazing people to say yes. We ended up with 10,000 people in that first training. Wow. I got my discharge papers for bankruptcy five days before our cart close. I was like, okay, now it's okay that I can make some money and get yeah. my life back. Wow. In that very first event. And I was able to get my family into a rental and uh, start this whole next evolution of mm. work I do now. That was eight, over eight years ago. That's crazy. So, so to that end, let's, let's talk then uh, about getting your book done. And just generally speaking, does, and, and you can obviously speak to this as well, just given your experience as an author, but do you, do you believe that everyone has a book in them, as some people say? I mean, you, you've probably heard that expression before, that everybody's got a, at least one book in them. Do you, do you, do you believe that? I don't know that everyone has a book inside of them, but I do believe that most people have a book inside of them. Mm -hmm. Most people believe that they've experienced enough, lived enough, where they have some wisdom to impart and share and want to pass on to other people. So I, I do believe the vast majority um, of people do have a book inside of them. Mm -hmm. And so, so to that end, what, so what are the, the publishing options at this point that it, we, and, and obviously if you're Barack Obama and you're leaving office, you know, that's one thing, but if yeah. <laughs> you're, you know, if you're someone that's not Barack Obama leaving office, what, what, what are Michelle we looking Obama at? If you're Michelle Obama leaving office, you also Obama. get a really yeah, right? great I know. deal. <laughs> I know. So what, so what are we, what are we looking at then? Um, well, there's basically three ways nowadays that people can get published. I mean, back when I did my first book, it was either, 
you know, get a traditional publishing deal or, you know, order thousands of copies at a time because there was no create space. There was no Kindle. Um, there was nothing, but now it's, it's like the doors are open for anyone who wants to write a book. They can. And the three ways to actually go ahead and get published are, you know, first of all, is traditional, which is kind of what you alluded to with, mm -hmm. you know, Barack and my adding Michelle, but you know, that's where someone has enough of a, of a platform, enough of a, you know, good topic and expertise and a following that they could go to a traditional publisher, you know, sign over their rights, get in advance and have that publisher do, you know, do all the production of the book. Um, you know, in that type of situation, you know, they're getting their advance on their royalties. And then as soon as they meet that advance and royalty pay, you know, then they get a little bit of money for every time a book sells in the form of continued royalties, as does the agent, as does the publisher, like they're all making money on the book. So mm -hmm. that's the traditional method. And that's the way, like if you have to be in Books A Million or Barnes & Noble and in those big box stores, traditional is really the way to go. But if you don't have a platform and you can't guarantee selling five to 10,000 books in your first you know, year as a published author with that title, um, no one's going to look at you. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of my good friends who's an agent, you know, she just said, she's like, as of the end of this year, I am no longer accepting any new authors unless it's an introduction from one of my existing clients. And it's someone who I know can sell books. Like she doesn't want to see any proposals because a lot of people are pitching that don't have platforms, have mm -hmm. no right sending to a traditional publisher. So it's not, that's not a great fit. And what, what is that magic number then, do you think, for a traditional publisher? And what are people seeing generally in terms of advances nowadays? Um, well, I've, the number, I've heard two numbers. I've heard 5,000 from some publishers and I've had 10, heard 10,000 from others in terms mm -hmm. of copies that you can guarantee selling in the first year. Mm -hmm. And advances, um, I've heard as low as 1,000 you know, for a new, not yet proven author, as much as 5,000, maybe 10. But the days of new authors that are unproven getting the six-figure advances just doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. The most important part of any proposal that goes for a traditional publisher is the marketing plan. It's not the book content. Um, it's not even how amazing you are. It's how are you going to market the book? Mm -hmm. How much of your own money are you going to put into that market in the book? Because they're, they're not going to market it for you, that publisher. Yeah. You as the author have to tell them how you're going to how you're going to market it. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's the traditional world. Mm -hmm. So that's traditional. What, and what are the others? Well, the other end of the spectrum is self-publishing. That's where you as the author yourself figure out everything you need to know. Like I did back with my husband, like, how do you actually do this publishing thing? And that's, you know, you got to vet and hire and work with the, a good editor, designers. You have to learn how Kindle works and how print and digital and all the different online platforms and ISBN numbers and how to price and how to do the optimization on Amazon and all the different things that are involved in publishing nowadays. That's the self-publishing method. You, you own all the rights. You own all the royalties. You know, you don't have to pay anyone other than your vendors to help you get this book published. But you have to have time and energy and desire and inclination to learn this whole new business and become a publisher, mm -hmm. pretty much. That's that's the self-publishing route. Mm -hmm. um, and and then, then there's this whole, yeah. Yep. <laughs> then there's this whole world in between, um, which is sort of like where the independent publisher space is, is really expanding. Every day there's new publishers coming into the marketplace. And within this sort of uh, hybrid independent publishing aspect of the, of the industry, 
there are two different paths that people can go down in that middle ground. One of them is with a standard hybrid publisher, which means that you are paying that publisher to publish the book. That publisher is making some commitment to really, you know, try to promote and market, maybe even get that book into bookstores. So they typically can't guarantee the bookstore distribution. They will at least, you know, put forth some effort in that area. Mm-hmm. And in exchange for having that hybrid do some of the marketing, maybe they'll help you with a website or something. You pay them to produce the book, but then you're also paying them again with a royalty split. So you pay them once and then you pay them twice every book that most likely you as the author are going to sell. They're not going to sell a ton of books for you. Mm-hmm. Is that clear, Steve? Yeah, no, it's definitely very helpful. Okay. And just want to make sure we're respectful of, uh, of your time today. So just kind of give us a heads up if you got if you got to jump here. But um, uh, yep. I'm good. There's one other piece though that I want to share please. about the, yeah. that middle ground, um, because there are also companies in that middle ground that are just a straight fee for service type of company. Okay, you pay them, they deliver a product, but you as the author continue to retain rights continue to make every penny off every copy of every book oversold in every possible format, you know, print, digital, audio, online program, um, but you didn't have to figure it out on your own. So you pay them flat fee and they deliver everything, but then it's all yours as if you had self-published, but you didn't. And like, that's, that's the type of publishing company that I own. Um, I have my coaching company, but then we have our publishing company, just great fee service. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are like, I'm happy to pay for the service, but I don't want to keep paying with every book that I sell. Um, so, you know, there's there are straight fee for service type of publishing companies as well, mm-hmm. of which ours is one. What does what something like that cost? For, and what are, what are the qualifications for a person? <laughs> um, like for someone to qualify to be a fit to work with that sort of company? Um, well, I've seen the fees range. I mean, I've seen everything from $5,000 to $30,000 and up. So uh, like I have a colleague, people pay him $30,000 to publish a book and then 50% of every book that the author sells. Um, you know, I guess there's enough that they feel like is in there. Like our company, we're, we fall in around 12.5 um, is what we we do. And that includes Amazon optimization. That includes distribution into independent bookstores, not the big box bookstores. It includes marketing, consulting and everything an author would need. So we, you know, we try to be, fair in the, in the middle of that whole world. So, um, that's sort of, you know, where the price I've heard of people pay $30,000 and not get anything for their book oh or boy. have a terrible experience in publishing the book. It's really sad for stories I've heard out there. Um, but the qualifications, I mean, like I can only speak for us, um, but the qualifications for us is that someone is writing a book that is about making a positive change in the world, right? I work with transformational authors. So that's who we want. And we also, um, for us, it's important to us that someone doesn't want to pump a book through a factory. There's a lot of book factories that don't care about quality, that don't care about the author. Like our authors are willing to put in the time um, and work in partnership with their publishing team, our publishing team, to help them really create the best possible book. So I think every publisher sort of has you know, different things they're looking for and the clients that they're willing to take on. But, you know, for us, content being a positive, you know, uplifting, inspiring, transformational message is certainly part of it. Mm-hmm. Cool. So a couple couple quick questions then. So number one, and maybe we can just run through this and then I'll, I'll get to my second question. But in terms of, of writing a book, do you, do you have a particular process uh, 
that you suggest that people go through uh, in order to figure out, A, if they even have a book within them, and then B, if they do, you know, how to actually get that book done? Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, as I mentioned, you know, the program that I developed back in 2007, when I finally said, okay, yes, I'll help you all, you know, write a book. The original version of the program, you know, it's called Get Your Book Done. It's still called Get Your Book Done Today, although it's iterated and evolved quite a bit since 2007 based on what I know now. Um, so, yeah, there is a very proven step-by-step process of using for 12 years to write books. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. the other the other piece of that, what was it? There was another half of that question. Well, um, I'm, I'm just I'm curious about, number one, what that process would be, and then number two, you know, is, yeah. there, is there a process for how do you get – folks clear on whether or not they should actually be writing a book and figuring out if they're, you know, if they have a book within. Absolutely. There's a tool that I developed out of my dark night of the soul um, that really is the foundation of what it means to be, in this case, a transformational author. And that tool is the most valuable tool that I think anyone can use to help them decide and really gain clarity. Do I have a book here? And to ensure you know, I didn't have that tool in the 2007 version when I did my first book. Um, I didn't develop that until 2011 after I had lost everything and really had to look at, well, you know, what could I have done differently to write the right book? And the tool that I created is called the Transformation Quadrant. And it's where you look at your book and what you want to do through these four lenses around the transformation that you want for yourself, the transformation that you want for your readers, the transformation that you want for your business, And the transformation that ultimate you like to see ripple out in the world as a result of your book being in it. Um, And if people start there and really dig into that quadrant, and I think we've got a free resource to share with everyone, perhaps in the show notes, but um, that, that first foundational piece of going through those four quadrants for yourself, that will help you know if you have a book or if you don't have a book. Mm -hmm. Um, So -hmm. that really is step one for anyone. Um, who's even considering writing a book. Mm-hmm. And let, let's do this. Um, I actually want to give people that opportunity too. So let's um, let's just give that to them right now. Where, where, where can they get okay, that resource? Sure, yeah. Let's just give that to them now, and then we'll, we'll continue the conversation. Okay, great. Yeah, it's at Christine Closer, and my name is spelled C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. Closer is K-L-O-S like Sam, E-R dot com forward slash TQ book. So just com forward slash TQ book. And there's a book and there's a workbook that goes along with it. So you can actually be guided to create your own quadrant and know I, I do have a book here or I don't have a book here or maybe I need to adjust it a little bit. But yeah. Quadrant is a place to start. Gotcha. I wish I had it back in 2007 because I probably would have written the right book the first time, you know, but I have it now. <laughs> And having a book, obviously, is just one very small step along the path. I mean, it's the first step, really, on a, on a very long path. What, what, do you, what do you see as working most effectively today in terms of getting that book out to the world and actually selling copies and, and, and marketing in, in general? What, what are you seeing as some of the best ways to actually then get that, that book out once it's done? Well, I think one of the best things that everyone can do in terms of getting the book out there is really making sure that they have optimized their page on Amazon and maybe even run some of the free book promotions. Like you drop the price to free just to start getting the book out there, getting traction, getting reviews, 
um, and getting the book into hands of people who can then, you know, have the talking factor and the, the pass it along factor. And, oh my gosh, I just read this book and um, get that buzz going. So Amazon optimization nowadays is key. Um, as are getting reviews on Amazon, because if someone goes to Amazon and sees something that has like zero reviews or one review, um, they're not going to take that book as seriously as if it had even, you know, 10 reviews or 15 reviews can make that book appear more, uh, just more credible, if you will. Mm -hmm. So that's a biggie. And, you know, I kind of say it really depends on what that person likes doing. Like if that person likes to talk, you know, then doing a podcast tour would be a fantastic idea to bring more visibility and direct people to get that book mm -hmm. um, or go out and do live speaking engagements. If there's someone who prefers, you know, to be all over social media, they just want to be writing, then they can really, you know, employ a strategic social media campaign to bring more visibility to that book, both organic and through paid advertising. Mm -hmm. um, but the biggest way that I've seen people sell books is still like, you know, face-to-face -face contact, you know, for those authors who actually get out and talk to people and go do speaking engagements. And my husband, for one, when he started with his book, I mean, he could go speak to a room of 20 people and somehow sell 30 copies of his book. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, he would always, always have like an over 100% close ratio. I'm like, how did you do this? Oh, well, someone bought, you know, 10 copies for all their grandkids or whatever. Mm -hmm. So um, it's such a crowded marketplace that I think every author needs to just figure what is it that I want to be doing that I will be doing consistently to always be putting my book out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's, you know, it, it's a, it's a tough world. Like I was just at a client at a book launch, um, party. I went down to it this weekend and she had probably a hundred people there. You know, she probably sold 80 copies of the book because 20 of the people were contributing authors, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and that was a big deal for her. She's like, Oh my gosh, you know, we sold so many books and some people bought copies for friends and things like that. And that was huge for her. Yeah. No, I hear so, you. Did it's, you, uh, you know, you're still pounding the pavement. Yeah. Well, I was just going to ask about, you know, you, there's different models you see where people, well, I don't remember what the exact phrase, but almost like a book is a biz, big business card now. And so there are models where people are going out, let's say early on, buying 100 copies of Gary Vanderchuk's book so he would speak at their seminar. So is that what you're alluding to when you're saying if you want to speak, then maybe maybe it's in those quadrants. I don't know. I'll have to take a look at it. But it's like, is that part of it, figuring out what the formula for what you're going to be doing after you write the book? Or is that just specifically for writing the book? Um, well, one of the quadrants is the transformation you want in your business. And oftentimes, you know, what people want to see that transformation happen in their business sort of determines how it is that they go out and bring that book out into the world. Um, like I had a client of mine, I mean, he was in the very first version of Get Your Book Done back in 2007. He published a book. He's like, I don't even care if I sell any copies. He knew that for him, that book was just going to be something he gave away for free to prospective clients. And within six months, he had added $150,000 of revenue to his business because that book was designed to get people, you know, calling up and requesting a consultation with him and then doing business with him. So for him, like it was a huge success, but he didn't sell a ton. Um, but he was able also to leverage that book to get himself all over the media. He was a residential retirement strategist for CNBC for, you know, probably a good year or two. 
Um, so it's like, it's kind of really up to the author. There is no one size fits all that this is what you need to do to sell copies of your book. It's like, well, what's, what's the goal? What, what are those transformations that you want in that quadrant, specifically in the business quadrant? You know, what is it that you want to experience in the business? And then how are you going to use the book to help that happen? Um, I had another client who's used her, you know, when she did her book, she bumped her rates up over five figures a day. Um, she just felt like she couldn't do that before the book was done. Mm -hmm. Another one specifically wrote the book because she wanted it to open up doors of speaking engagements. And, you know, last I heard, like she was off to Madrid and up in Canada and out, you know, to the UK speaking. She's probably not selling thousands of copies, but her business is booming as a result of that book being done. Mm -hmm. So it's just important for an author to know what they what they want. And yeah, leveraging, you know, getting an audience to buy a hundred copies of a book so the author will come or sweeten the pot. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of stuff happens every day. Yeah. And and let me just ask you this then. Is is retail, I mean, is it still is it important as far as the whole world of, of physical books are concerned? Do you, how how much of a is it is it still a, a needle mover, so to speak, in terms of getting in at retail? It depends who you're talking to. Um, if I were, you know, Penguin Random House, absolutely, the big box stores. You've got to get in retail. You got to be on every shelf in every bookstore across the country if you want to succeed as an author. Um, for most of the authors that I work with, you know, the people who are never going to be at the top of the New York Times seller list, but who might, you know, have that book help them multiply and exponentially grow their business and expand, you know, their impact and their legacy in the world. Um, they're not as concerned as being in the big box, you know, retail stores because they're directing all their traffic to Amazon where people, most people are buying the books anyway. Yeah. Um, and if you get, if you are blessed enough to, you know, go through a traditional store or a version of a hybrid that can get you into one of those big stores, if you're not simultaneously doing all of the publicity and the marketing and everything that's needed to move people into that bookstore where they're buying the book off the shelf, all those books that went into the store get returned and the book never shows up in the bookstore again. So mm -hmm. if you do get into bookstores, you better be super strategic about what you're doing to drive traffic to those bookstores to keep the book on the shelves. Mm -hmm. um, but nowadays, I don't see too many authors that are, you know, as adamant about having to be in stores. Yeah. Yeah, no, it totally, totally makes sense. So you're in, and you actually have uh, as well a um, a podcast, right? Which is you, you just launched your own podcast, right? Which is uh, on this very subject. So, needless to say, you're uh, you're you're all in uh, on on helping authors get get their books done. Tell tell us a little bit about the uh, about the show. Well, it's interesting because I actually have one podcast that I did 10 years ago, literally came out in 2009, because um, I knew that podcasting was a vehicle that I would really enjoy. I love interviewing people. I love talking about, you know, I love engaging in, you know, really powerful conversation. Um, so 10 years ago, I had thought about doing a podcast and have one, one episode up, mm -hmm. um, but you know, since hanging out with you and going to your new media summit event and all that, I realized it's like, oh, I actually need to do this now. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought I was going to do some podcasts and some topic unrelated 
to my actual business. <laughs> I thought I was going to do a podcast called the Christian Closer Experience. Um, you know, I've done several events and, you know, things called experience and some mm-hmm. after another. And I mm-hmm. thought that's what I would do. But actually, you, Steve, kind of helped me have a huge aha moment and realize that my podcast actually really needs to be called Get Your Book Done. So, yeah, the Get Your Book Done podcast is, you know, about ready to roll. I'm super excited about it. And yeah. it's like it was so easy once it came together and once I could see how it fit with everything else that I'm doing in my business and my passion of helping people really get their books done. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. That's, uh, that's awesome. And so, uh, you know, so it is interesting. So you did come to the new media summit and you had an opportunity there to, to pitch and and get booked on shows. Um, just out of curiosity, tying it into what we're talking about here today, did you see any difference or any advantage for the attendees who were there, uh, in terms of attendees that had books versus didn't have books? ending up securing appearances. I'm just curious in terms of your own, because you you sit, you you sat in a very unique position there, both as an author and somebody who helps authors get their books done, and then also, uh, you know, as an, uh, as an attendee and, and so on. So I'm just curious, did you, did you see uh, any correlation between the two? Not that it's needed. I mean, you certainly don't need a book in order to uh, secure appearances on podcasts, but what, what was your, just sort of outside looking in perspective on on how people did in terms of getting booked on shows when they when they did have uh, a book. Well, it was nothing that I feel like I could really like track and speak about with any sense of like this is this is what happened because I was you know so bombarded with people and I was running a booth and mm-hmm. um, so it was difficult for me to track. But I did notice that the people who had books. Um, there was just a buzz around them more so than the people who didn't have the books because Mm. a book is a credibility builder like nothing else out there. I don't care how many online courses you have, how many CDs you've produced, um, you know, even how many podcast episodes you've done. The book is still sort of the gold standard of authority. I mean, you can't spell authority without the word author. Mm -hmm. So I think there is an implied credibility. And certainly I would have to believe that if there was a podcast host who was looking for, you know, an expert to talk about X topic, and there was one who was an expert on that topic who was not published, and one who was an expert on that topic who was published, who had the authority and the credibility of that book, I would think that that podcast host is going to pick the guest that had the credibility of the book behind them. So mm-hmm. there's definitely an advantage, I think, in getting that kind of visibility if you are an author. It just it makes you an instant expert. Yeah, and as as an attendee of of the summit, what what was your experience like? Because we're going to be doing it again in uh, in March, so March 9th through the 11th in uh, in San Diego, and you guys can get more information at newmediasummit.net. Uh, tickets are still available there. What what was your experience like at the event? Because you actually hadn't been before. So this was your when you were there in September. It was uh, it was your first time. So what what was your experience like of the event? Well, I have to say that aside from my own events, which I think are pretty freaking amazing, mm. it was one of the most valuable events that I've ever attended. Um, the people, the community, the content you taught, like the amount of aha moments that I had, especially when you talked about. The- Mm. And when you, you know, coached me in front of the room to have my own breakthrough around the name of my podcast being aligned with the brand that my business is built on, um, those were huge moments. But then also having the opportunity to get on stage and actually pitch, 
you know, I think I ended up with 30 or 40, you know, cards of um, podcast hosts who were interested in having me be on their shows. I actually just recorded a, a podcast earlier today from someone who was at NMS. Nice. Um, so it was, I just thought all around, it was a fantastic event. Plus it was fun. I mean, we danced our butts off and had a good time. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it's It was just fantastic job. I thought you did a really good job delivering it. Um, Thanks content good people great visibility opportunities yeah well 30 to 40 bookings is uh that's great so good job on uh, on that look forward to hearing some of those interviews all right so let's uh let's let's wrap things up in a bow here and and just share so you have the podcast coming out what uh, mm-hmm. so what what is next other than the get your book done podcast what's next for christine closer at this point Oh, what's next for Christine Closer is uh, filling the last few spots in my Get Your Book Done Accelerator Level program, which is like a six-month journey where I work very closely with people to help them write their books. Um, Selling that out, we're close. We're more than halfway there. I've got five applications in right now that I'm looking at. So uh, that's up. And then soon after that, it's going to be taking a group of writers down to Bob Marley's um, private beach house in the Bahamas. That's where he lived after he left. Jamaica when the suit when the uh, assassination attempt happened mm. um and I'm going to take a bunch of authors to go down there and write for a week on the beach which oh wow is a beautiful space so you know that and enjoying the holidays with my family nice. time off <laughs> nice so if uh folks want more information about you uh where are the best places for them to go well christineclosure.com really is the best place for you to go take a look at everything um, you can get access to the free book there. You can link through to get your book done program, but just christineclosure.com is sort of the hub. Okay. Sounds great. Well, we will let you jump and Richie and I will continue the conversation here. And Sounds uh, great. thanks for joining us on Reinvention Radio, Christine Closer with the K and uh, helping us to reinvent authorship. And we will talk really soon. So have a great holiday. We'll talk Bye, really Christine. soon. My Take pleasure. Care. Thank Take you care. both. See you soon. All right, Richie. All right. So when uh, when is the happiness book coming out? That's uh, that's been uh, my question for you for a long time. Yeah, when, when, no, when is it's that, that time. is that going to be the book? You know, I I need to go through the quadrants. You can go through the quadrants. Exactly. I need to go through the quadrants. That's some good stuff there. Yeah. What were the? I don't even remember the four. I should have written those down, but she went through them so fast. I couldn't even keep up with the with the with the with the different quadrants there. But how does it affect different? So society at large. What were there yeah, like four was, of them, right? I think it was like how you wanted to affect you, how you wanted to affect the reader, the reader, yeah. How you wanted to affect your business, and how you wanted to affect society. Society at large, at large yeah, yeah. That's smart. That's super smart. So uh, would it be? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I, I think it. You know, I really, I think it is in in how I think about it. What I question the more we kind of go over things and all that is, is um, is that the title or is that just what ends up coming out via mm-hmm. the book? Mm-hmm. Because I do think that's what everybody does things for. They buy the fancy cars. They go to these places. They, they just want to be happy. They work hard. Like whatever that thing is for that person. Yeah. But I just wonder if that's the the phrase that pulls them in. Happiness. Yeah, I, I mean, like you said, at the end of the day, that's that's why we do what we do, and and ultimately, whether it's life or business or otherwise, I mean, why else do it if it's not for happiness or fulfillment or some sense of uh, of contribution? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. So, 
really interesting stuff. I mean, I've written three books, and the last book that I wrote was in 2013, um, which did end up on the New York Times list at that point. But we, you know, not not but we ended up doing you know kind of like a bestseller campaign with it, uh, and the company that helped us to to get onto the New York Times list no longer exists because the New York Times and Wall Street Journal and USA Today finally said. Yeah, that that process isn't uh, isn't kosher. So didn't know it at the time, but you know, basically we just uh, we secured a number of, of people to buy the book just by marketing and getting people to say yes to to buying the book, and then they would go out and at the same time have those book orders placed across the country, and so then it would show up on BookScan and whatnot, which is how we ended up hitting the New York Times list. Uh, but evidently, that process has been, you know, shot down. <laughs> they're, they're no longer good with that. So uh, I have not had the desire to really sit down and write uh, write another book. And not that it needs to hit the New York Times list. I mean, you go through that quadrant, right? There's a lot of other reasons to to do it. But you know, writing a book, I mean, it's it's no small endeavor, and no small undertaking. I mean, there's a lot of time and energy and resources that you have to invest to, to make it happen. But Christine clearly has a process here that makes it much, much easier for folks. And, you know, given the hardships that she's been through and then coming out the other side of it, I'm sure she really appreciates what it what it takes and what's needed here to to be successful uh, as an author. So I must wonder if you could just nowadays just go straight to an audible or straight to audible and just read it yourself. Yeah. 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 You know, I don't know. It's uh, so it is interesting. I mean, in the podcasting world, you look at Anchor and you know those sort of things, and you know they're doing okay, but still no match for what's going on with Apple or Spotify or SoundCloud for that matter. So I just wonder if, at the end of the day, a book is something that just enough people still want to hold in their hand and be able to take to bed with them and flip the pages and just feel it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Interesting, but. Definitely check out everything that Christine Closer is doing. Again, that's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, and then Closer is with a K, so K-L-O-S-E-R.com. So check out everything that Christine Closer is doing there, and she can definitely help you get your book done. And uh, we'd love to read it. So let us know if you decide to write a book and uh, use Christine and so on. We'd love to hear from you. All right, we're going to jump, and uh, hopefully we'll have Mary Goulet back really, really soon. And for White Wade holding it down in the studio, Kelly's got it under control headquarters. For Richie Ote, and I am Steve Olsher. We'll talk to you next time here on Reinvention Radio. Take care. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit reinventionradio.com. 